Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning to you. Oh, that's great. Let me, uh, let me start off by telling you two things really quick. I don't want to get sidetracked, but let me tell you two things. Number one, Ross has incredible deals on men's shirts. This shirt was only $11, and I bought it just for you this morning. Is that great? $11? Yeah. Thank you. Number two, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I think that I grew up in the greatest generation ever. That's, nobody's gonna agree with me. That's okay. Let me tell you, let me tell you why. I think that I grew up in the greatest generation ever because I grew up without the distraction of the internet. So my brother and I, we would play outside, we would build forts, we would, you know, throw rocks in a ditch for no reason because there was literally nothing else to do. That, that's all you could do. But then I got access to the internet when I was in middle school and I never had to go outside again. It was the best. I got to live in between two worlds. So raise your hand in here if you got access to the internet for the first time after you were out of high school. The first time you ever got on the internet, you were out of high school, raise your hand, okay? Raise your hand if you got access to the internet before you left high school, before you left high school. Okay, so kind of a a good even mix here. How about this, raise your hand if you know the universal sound of connection, listen for it. He, you you kind of know that? And then it gets into the anthem. There it is. There it is, right there, right? Oh, my mom picked the phone up. Yeah, sorry, got disconnected. Try again. That is what I call the sound of a generation. I remember that sound like it was yesterday. It took forever. You know, I, I got to grow up with a lot of really cool stuff. I did some school without the internet and some with it. I got to use some stuff like this. This is called the World Book Encyclopedia. Does anybody know what this is? Some of you got the name brand version because you were fancier than me. You got the Encyclopedia Britannica. Could not, I could not afford that one. So we just got the World Books, okay? And what I remember about the World Books is that I wrote a paper like about Pluto or something and then all of a sudden it wasn't a planet anymore. And nobody updated the book. You know what my kids get? You know the encyclopedia that I give to my children? This is the encyclopedia I give to my children, right here. Show me the next one. That's the encyclopedia I give my kids. It's free, it's always up to date, and we know everything on the internet is 100% true. So it's the perfect mix. I got to grow up with some other really fun stuff though. Look Look at some of this. I remember this corded phone sitting next to my bed. I would just wait. I got my own dedicated phone line. Uh, You know, we were living the dream, man. I remember I had the best song on my floppy disk, just one. Then you had to delete it and then put another one and then delete it and then put it. But hey, it was hard life, kids. It's hard life. One more, the VHS life, the VHS life, right? And I know, hey, there's some of you in here, you're still rocking that uh, DVD, VCR combo. Hey, respect, power, respect, I get it. 
You know, my kids get all of those things wrapped up into one. All those things wrapped up into one. That is so unfair. They get everything right at the palm of their hand. Here's the point I'm gonna make this morning. The internet changed everything, didn't it? It changed everything for me, for you. So this scene that we just saw, Ralph breaks the internet. The movie title could have just been The Internet Changes Everything because the movie is about Ralph and Vanellope with a V, right? My daughter has a little plush toy. Don't call her Penelope, it's Vanellope. <laughs> Vanellope and Ralph, they're best buddies. And they are just goofing around in the arcade. They're playing games, they're hanging out. Then they're laying on this football field and Vanellope says, do you ever think like we're just zeros and ones floating around? Like you ever wonder if there's more to life than this? And I'm like, Disney, very philosophical, wow. Normally they just kill off the parents and you get a love story. So <laughs> very philosophical. And I'm like, okay. And then Ralph says, no, I have the best life ever. Why would I want more? She says, there's not a single thing you would change about your life. Not a single thing. And then the internet happens and they don't exactly understand what it is, but they know that can do something. Sonic tells them, oh, you can do all these kind of things there. And then they get into all kinds of trouble and shenanigans getting into the internet. But the internet changed everything. Here's what we're gonna build up to this morning. The way the internet changed everything for you, for me, for Ralph, for Vanellope, the way the internet changed everything, God changes everything. And the internet changed everything, why? It offered more, it offered more than you knew what to do with, honestly. I remember the first couple of times I got on the internet, I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing there. I was like, what am I supposed to do? Go to a chat room, that's what I'm supposed to do, of course, you know, be my future wife, I don't know. <laughs> so the internet offered more, and God changes everything and offers more. We're gonna be in Ephesians chapter three, if you got your Bible, we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 and 21, it'll be on the screen if you don't have it. Read along this with me. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen, amen. Have you ever looked at your life kind of like Vanellope and said, is, is this all there it? You know, there is? Is there more to life than this? We're gonna look at this passage this morning and we're gonna take three principles away that I think help us understand that God has a life of more for you. God has a life of abundance available to us and there's three things that we see in this passage that help us do that. If you got your bulletin with you, you can write the first one. The first one is our struggle. The first one's our struggle. So look back at this passage with me. It starts off with that, now to him. I want you to say that way to say now, now. So when he is starting this verse off, he's saying, okay, I've just said something. Now, let me get into this other part. So it's important for us to understand, well, what was the thing he was saying beforehand? Well, Paul was preaching and he was praying over these people, this big, strong, bold prayer. He wanted to pray something really bold over them. And then in order for them to really like hit home and really grab onto it, he said, now we're praying to a God who is able to do this. So here's what he prays though. I want you to, I want you to, I want to read it for you because it's, it's powerful. 
He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's a bold prayer. And he's praying it over these people. But he wants them to understand one thing. God is able. Get that. He wants them to understand that God is able. So then he gets into that verse 20. I've prayed this. Well, now to him who is able to do this. So we kind of hear that. Now to him who is able. Okay. Think about in your life. You think God is able? You Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, God is. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. This phrase that he uses, more abundantly, is a phrase that is used 28 times in the New Testament. And the phrase means super abundantly. We don't use that word often. It's a combined word, super abundant. It means excessive in quantity. Paul is saying God can do far more. It's used 28 times. Paul uses it 20 of the 28. This is one of those times he uses it. And he is saying, now to him who is able to do all these things. So you say, okay, yeah, but now he was able to do far more than we can ask or think? I don't know. Think about your scenario today. Think about your situation that you're in. You say, I came into this room and my spouse and I were fighting in the car and honestly, I don't know if I, when I walk away from this room, if we're gonna make it on the other side. I've got a kid that I haven't talked to in five years, and this morning before I walked into church, I text them, and they have not texted me back. God has a life of abundance. God has a life of more. Dallas, you don't know my situation. The first point, you don't know the struggle, right? The struggle. So that's the question is, what is the struggle? The struggle is, okay, God is able the struggle is, do we believe that? Do we believe that God is able? I think that when we look at our circumstance and we look where we are, we have a hard time believing that he is able. You know, as a, as a pastor, I think that people often think that uh, the way that we deal with things, it's, you know, life's a lot different. And I wanna, for you to know that the way that I have had to walk through some things it has put struggle in me. My wife and I, we have been married for six incredible years, eight in total, but that was a joke. Oh, you almost got it. That was a joke. Okay, I told her I was gonna tell that joke. That's okay. She, she thought it was funny. My wife and I have been married for eight years. One month before our um, anniversary, or one month before our wedding, my father-in-law passed away. One month before our wedding. So you can imagine, I get that phone call and my mother-in-law asks me, would you be the person to tell your future wife? So I go and I sit at her house for like five hours. I don't know, I didn't know what else to do. I left work, I go sit at her house and I have to wait for her to come home and she came from an event with kids and she's really excited and I have to be the person to share that with her right before we're about to get married. Think about all the things you plan at your wedding that are around a parent. Think about all the things that you anticipate to do with a parent. Well, those things weren't gonna happen. My struggle, God, you're able. I don't really deserve this. 
We don't really deserve this. A pastor and a future pastor's wife, have you checked our, our, eternity, our, our eternal punch card? Have you checked it at all? We don't really deserve this. It doesn't seem very fair. Some of you know that my dad was diagnosed with cancer just a few months ago. And we've kind of been navigating that road and walking through life. And cancer is so life-altering and life-changing. I know there's those of you in this room that are walking through the same exact scenario or you have a loved one, um, a spouse. You have somebody walking in that same road and just looking at it and saying, God, what are you up to here? I, I understand the struggle. You may not know. You see me on the weekend and here at the Met. I was at a church that I served at for five years. My wife and I, we, we were in life groups. Our life was invested there. Our kids were invested there. And I found out one day that my position would no longer exist. Just like that. And I walked into my house and I told my wife, she was holding a one-month-old baby boy, little Jet Jet. And I walked in and said, our income, our security, our health insurance, everything that we've built around here, it's gone. So believe me when I tell you, I understand the struggle to believe that God is able. I look at verses like John 10, 10, and it says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I came, Jesus is saying, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. God, this doesn't look like abundant life. But what I want you to understand is that the struggle that we have, Psalm 23 says, I walk through the valley, the shadow of death. I walk through it, and when I walk through it, your rod and your staff, they guide me. You're not alone in your struggle. What happens to us a lot of times is our struggle becomes our season, and then our season becomes our standard. That is the way that we think life operates. That's the only thing that we live in. We sit in our struggle. And, and I want you to know that your struggle was never designed just to only be struggle. It was designed to lead to surrender. Your struggle was designed to lead to surrender. And that's our second point. Your struggle can lead to surrender. Uh, a wise man once said, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is you can have all of God that you want. And the bad news is you have all of God that you want. That wise man is Pastor Bill Ramsey. And, and, and what he's saying is that God is available to you in plenty and in abundance, but when we sit in that season of struggle, it never leads to surrender. And that is what God is aiming for us to do. And, and we want, I want to help you this morning do that, is take that struggle and help it lead to surrender. In Mark chapter nine, there's a story of a father and he has a son with an unclean spirit. And he goes to the disciples and, and he asks the disciples if they will heal his son. And the disciples can't heal his son. So he finds Jesus and sees Jesus and he says in Mark 9, hey, if you can, help us. Have compassion on us, help us. Any of you who are a parent, you can relate to that. 
But here's how he says that. If you can, if you can help us. He has this struggle within him. He's standing in front of Jesus Christ. If you can, can you help us? Jesus says, all things are possible to the one who believes. He flips it on, the, on, a, on its head. He tells the man, this isn't about God, this is about you. This is about you not believing that God can do what he says he can do. If you can, if I can, oh, I know I can. And then he says this verse that you're kind of familiar with. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. It's that struggle. But in our surrender, God wants to turn our hurt into hallelujah. Look at verse Chapter three, again, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all, uh, than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. You can underline that word, within us. What is the power that's at work within you? It is this forgotten part of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. Romans eight says it this way. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ, Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. These two things are hinged on each other. God operates to give us this life of abundance and he uses the Spirit as a means to get there. Here's how I want you to think about it. I brought some illustrations for you, is that okay? Yeah? I want you to think about it this way. Let's say that this is you. This is your life. And it's all the way filled up. You're filled up with um, black cherry meal, okay? It's really good. You know why this is filled up already? Because you're full of something. That's why it's filled up and I'm full of something, and the person next to you is definitely full of something. You're already filled up. You're filled up with struggle, you're filled up with doubt, you're filled up with fear, you're filled up with worry, you're already filled up. And our expectation is that we stay here and God will just come and kind of pour it on and he'll push all of the bad stuff out and he'll push all the bad stuff away. You know the problem in that? There's no surrender in that. There's no surrender from you. Jesus says in Luke chapter nine, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. This is what it looks like to deny yourself. You start saying, okay, I'll give up this. I'll give up that. Okay, God, I wanna keep the rest of this because like, this is the good stuff, right? This is, okay, no, I got... And when we look at this, God wants us to be emptied, not so that we'll stay empty, but he wants you to be emptied so that he can begin filling you up with the things that he has for you. And he doesn't just fill you up, he overflows you. You know why? Scripture says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what we begin to speak and what we begin to say is glorifying and honored to God. It's this life of fullness, this life of abundance. 
He came that you may have life and have it abundantly. But it starts with surrender. It starts with surrender. The more that we surrender, the more that he can give. You get that this morning? I, oh, you wanna clap? You can clap for that, that's great. I love this illustration. <laughs> Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And you've heard this. You may have heard this. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And you know what he'll do? He will direct your path. But it starts with trust in the Lord. This life of surrender is not an easy one. This life of surrender is something that is hard. But when you see your struggle and your struggle leads to surrender, you understand your significance. That's your last point, significance. Our significance matters because when we read the rest of this verse, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, it says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. To him be glory, to him, to God. This significance becomes you seeing yourself as God sees you. And you know how God sees you? God sees you as a child of God. You're a child of God. When you surrender and you're in the life, the full life, you're a child of God. John 1, 12, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. My daughter's about to turn five and we're about to have a birthday party. And let me tell you, my bank account says we'll do anything for her. I'm buying more stuff for a five-year-old than I, I don't even know what's happening. Think about how much you would do for your children. You are a child of God. Some of you in here, you own some fur children. Let me, let me be honest. You would do more for your fur children than I would do for my actual children, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you would do so much for your family, so much for your kids. God will do the same because in your surrender, you are a child of God. How about this? You are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You're a new creation. How about this? You are a co-heir with Christ. That's not a phrase or a term we really use a lot, but you're a co-heir means that what he will get, we will get. We are co-heirs with Christ. Christ. You see, the Bible gives you this incredible significance, but oftentimes our struggle, our circumstance, the enemy plays that down. Well, don't forget, you're not good enough. You're not, let me tell you, not only are you a new creation, not only are you a child of God, not only are you a co-heir with Christ, you are, and this is from scripture, you are more than a conqueror. You are no longer a slave to sin. You're forgiven. You're chosen by God. You're at peace with God. You're made in right standing with God. I promise you, you are in your surrender in a place with God that he wants an abundant and a full life for you. And the enemy tells you everything else. But at the end of the day, I know the book and I read it and I promise you, God will win. He will win. And my prayer for you is that you would understand 
in our surrender, we have magnificent significance to God. I told you about three kind of different scenarios in my life. I told you about my father-in-law passing away about a month before we got married. You know what God did with that? God gave my wife to this very day a ministry that she can use for any person who loses a parent unexpectedly. She can stand in the gap and she can say, let me be the bridge, let me show you Jesus. He gave her a ministry out of it. I told you about my dad who has been diagnosed with cancer and we're walking through that realm and it's not fully resolved. It's the world that we're walking in right now. But you know what God has done with that? I've talked to my dad more about Jesus Christ in three months and the gospel and the power of who God is than I ever have in 30 years of my life. God will not always change your position, but he will always change your perspective. I told some of you that I got here to this point because I lost a job at a church. And the enemy was saying, Dallas, because you're not good enough, it's because you can't do this, it's because you gotta find something else to do. And you know what God said to the enemy? He said, here I am, I'm standing here two years later at the Met Church. That's what God said. Amen. He will not always change your position, but he will always change your perspective. It's about how we see the struggle we're in. I want you to understand how these things flow together this morning because it's, it's, it's important. Your struggle leads to surrender. Your surrender leads to that significance. I have people ask me all the time as a pastor, they say, Dallas, what do I do? Like, what does God want from me? What does he want me to do just like so that I can get more out of life or this situation? What does God want me to do? I don't know a lot but I know maybe a little something. Here's a little something that I would say. God doesn't want you to try harder. He wants you to try less. He doesn't want you to give more. He wants you to give up. Isn't that astonishing? The world of God always works in the opposite. You're in a, you're in a job and think about you wanna climb the corporate ladder and you wanna get to this position where you oversee every person or where you're in charge. You know, in the world of God, when you say yes to Jesus, he puts you in that position. And then everything that we do flows down. We don't work for our salvation, we work from our salvation. And it's God alone who does that. Psalm 37, four, it says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Those two things are hinged on one another. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know why? Because when you delight in him, his, your desires become his desires and your thoughts become his thoughts and your ways become his ways. That's why he'll give them to you. It starts with our surrender. And that's my question for you this morning, friends. What haven't you surrendered? 
I know that as you look at this, some of you, you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Then maybe some of the people that are watching today, hearing this, you may have never surrendered yourself to Jesus fully. Some of you in here, you've given your life to Christ, you've surrendered, but there are still things that you hold on to. You know what scripture says in that? It's like we're putting on our old clothes. But God's giving you new clothes. God said, you're all these things. You're abundant. There's more in me. And so that's my question for you. What haven't you surrendered? Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Friends, God is available today. God is available for you right now. But he wants your surrender. That's what he desires from you I want you to stand up with me real quick. I know you got popcorn all over your lap and candy and stuff, but just stand up with me really, really quick. I told you at the very beginning of this sermon that Paul prayed over the people at Ephesus and he prayed a really strong, bold prayer for them because he believed that God could do it. He prayed for something magnificent for them because he knew God was able. And you know what? I believe the same thing. And I wanna pray the same thing that Paul prayed for them. I wanna pray for you. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, we trust you. God, we know that there are things that we need to surrender myself included, that we need to give to you, we need to let go. And in our surrender, we can rest in the significance that you have given to us when we are in Christ Jesus. Father, we believe, help our unbelief. It's in the name of Jesus, amen. If this morning you would say, I have something that I have not surrendered, I have something that I have not given up, please, friend, would you not leave this place without talking to somebody on our prayer team this morning? Would you do business with God today? Lunch will be waiting, I promise. But thank you so much for coming, and we will see you next week for Movie House. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.